everybody to all of the veterans out there thank you for your service welcome to the street smart mental health podcast as always we are coming to you from the lou fuse automotive group studio my name is michael wellington and the man across the table from me is my tag team partner many of you know him as the natty king his name is brandon McNamee. brandon what is the word today man? hey pal how, how are you i'm good how are you excellent it's uh dude i gotta be honest with you i had a few beers yesterday Quite a few. Long day. Beautiful Easter day. Sunday. I'm feeling it, pal. Really? Yeah. A little, little hungover? <laughs> I'm feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. I know you don't, you haven't had, you haven't had a hangover in about 20 years, probably. About 11. 11 years. Okay. But yeah. Well, you were celebrating the Lord rising. That's the whole reason. Yeah. That Amen. Was why I was, that's why I had to, in his honor. Check Amen. Beers. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah. How are you though? How are you doing? I'm good, man. It's a beautiful day. I think the weather is turning here in St. Louis yes. and it's a nice time of year. And I'm excited about this guest that you brought in off the street for us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is Jennifer Warren. Her and I, thanks for being here, by Absolutely. the way. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Her and I met in uh, real estate 2016 or 2017 or so. And, you know, I thought it'd be good to have a guest on that's got some just regular working mom, been through some shit. A little bit sometimes, um, yeah. And I know you're going to tell us more about that. And I just thought it'd be good to have you on and just because we've had we've had a lot of really interesting and really cool guests on, obviously, that have some special areas of interest that they're in. Maybe they're a teacher or a counselor or a veteran or a police officer or a parent of an autistic child. I think that it's really cool to have just somebody that just a working mom, everyday person that's been through some shit and has their own experience to talk about. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I know it helps me a lot to have other people that have been in my shoes to sort of forge my way yeah. next to and have them plant that flag and be like, okay, they can do it. I can do it. Hell yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is, you know? Yeah. We yeah. were talking a little bit before we turned on the microphones, a little bit about your, your past. And I think it's always good to have people on here to talk about different specific areas. And it sounds like you may be, and you maybe became an expert a little bit at a very young age in dealing with PTSD. How would you? you yeah, know, say, I, I think that's that? I think that's fair. I was diagnosed with PTSD as a youngster. I was about 13 years old. A lot has changed in the mental health world since then. So I think now, without having been actually officially diagnosed, I would call it more of a CPTSD, the complex post-traumatic stress disorder, because more so than like one singular event, which that did exist, but also it was a, a lot of layers of mm, yeah. stress. And what I've learned that post-traumatic stress disorder is is like your nervous system and your coping set is not big enough to handle whatever that incident that is you've been exposed to. They don't match. I don't have the tool set or the mental intelligence to be able to handle this event. And that varies for everybody. Like everybody could have their own version of that. And I think that's that was my experience as a youngster. And it's taken years to work through and it comes in different phases. I think. For sure. Yeah. I, and I, like Mike was saying before we turn the microphones on, people always correlate PTSD with veterans, which obviously, of course, they have PTSD as well. But also, it can be just anything that you've been through that was traumatic. Yeah. Like today, April 10th, would have been my brother's 32nd birthday. Oh, wow. right. Yeah. And that's something I talk about a lot on here is the PTSD I struggle with with losing him a couple of years Absolutely. ago. And it really does come in fucking just weird phases. And you don't have the tool set, I guess, is, is the right way to put it. Like you don't you don't have the hammer that goes with the nail. You yep. know what I mean? Like exactly. Totally get that. Yeah. So what did you 
what did you, if you don't mind telling us a little bit about your yeah, yeah, I'm through. I'm happy to share, you know, portions of my story. Obviously, it's been a long time, like sure. so I'll kind of like start from the the beginning and work my way through. You know, I think adolescence can be tough for everybody. Uh, it's it's a it's a weird time in life <laughs> with puberty, you know, blended families present their own challenges. I think that that was a part of my story, but also having a father who was by all intents and purposes absent and then I lost him to a violent crime. Somebody who was in his world had, you know, I'll keep this sure. clean. Where it's like somebody who was in his world knew a lot about him, broke into his home. And the story is that he intended to steal some money for drug use, but ended up taking his life Jeez. that night. Yeah. So it was. Were pretty, you home? No, no. He lived in another state. We did not have like a close relationship. So the grief was really layered. It was yeah. as a 12 year old, like processing losing somebody in that capacity and just having your innocence sort of like ripped away from you. Okay, yeah. And then also losing the, um, I've gone through a lot of work through this, but if I get a little emotional, like it's do just it, part dude. of the process. All good like, in here. It, it's not, no matter how many, and actually like next week is the annual anniversary of his passing too. So this is as beautiful as the weather is in April. It 100%. can have its challenges, but so losing the, what could have been either in the future or what. So it was, it was a, the duality of that was a lot to comprehend as a small child. Did, did anything happen like immediately after his death or did it take maybe some when you were in high school or, or maybe even in your early 20s? When did it come to the surface? Yeah, the further out from it I get, the more clear it is. From the moment that I received the news and started processing everything, the world just felt different. I largely was raised by my mom and dad. Like I was raised in a safe environment and, you know, I lived in South County in St. Louis, Missouri. Like I was, had it pretty good. The world just looked different to me after that. What people are capable of. I, I don't want to say like my innocence was taken away. But it's more of like your perception of safety. Dude. Yeah. And Dude. the mortality salience that kicks in when it's so close to you. Like Say that word again. Mortality salience, like your perspective with death. Dude. That's fucking, that's probably the word I've been searching for. It probably I seriously, because it's like, sorry to cut you off. No, but no. That's, I don't know how to explain it to people that I'm like, I, I didn't, you, you just never, when you don't deal with loss before, you never have, you just kind of like don't have a, you have a new vision of it and that's a new it. understanding. And it's like, it, it almost kind of, it really fucks you up. It fucks you up. Mortality. Salient. Like, so it's salient. It's like fresh in your mind. And when it's close like that, yeah. it really is different than like something you hear on the news or you know a buddy or it's like a third removed fucking time. Or like person. your great grandma, which mm -hmm. we've got, we love our grandma. For sure. Like, but they live there. They had that opportunity and we will always miss our folks and people mm -hmm. that passed in an elderly age. But there is that punctuality of that closure that you have that they had their story. It's not that grief, that duality of like what could because you're grieving the loss of that person and what could have been dude I, I, yesterday i was like in almost most days when i'm sitting on the back mm -hmm. patio by myself barbecuing and shit yeah i'm like watching the game by myself and like my brother would be sitting here with yeah. me like that's that what and you probably with your dad i mean he probably would have when you got married you know shit like that <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. yeah. And like, I'm I'm very close to his family. And so that and I'm so, so grateful for that. It gives me a ton of peace and closure, but not a single get together goes by or where I'm like, what could have been? Obviously, it's different now after getting a little older and mm -hmm. processing. But yeah, to your point, I, I just felt like that's not a conversation I knew how to articulate at a young age. And even now it's hard not. to struggle. It totally makes it's sense. that feeling of what could have been. And then like the world. I'll never forget it was like weather like this and sitting down with my mom and her breaking that news. And I just thought, I, I don't know that I even like cried or anything like that. I was just like, right. what is life? So my existential crisis started at about 
fucking before middle school. Yeah, before middle school. Right. And then, so speaking of middle school, I entered into sixth grade, and I I'll never forget one of my teachers. So to answer your question about like how that impacted me, it was a very slow burn. Immediately, I just felt different and disassociated. Like 100%. you don't get me, you don't yeah. get me, you don't get me. And it, of course, it was nobody's fault. Like they didn't know. They don't know how to. I can't, you can't communicate that. Right. You don't have the work. You don't have the tool yeah, set. Yeah. So yeah, I remember sitting in my sixth grade class. It's one of those core memories. And I just disassociated, which is a coping mechanism of mm-hmm. depression and PTSD and CPTSD. It's a symptom. And in, our brains are amazing. They yeah. protect us so well. And I just kind of had this like dissociative experience. And I was just sitting at my desk spaced out and couldn't have told you an earthquake could have happened. And I was just locked in on like a pencil or something. Yeah, kind of like numb. Numb. hundred percent. Yeah. And it was just nothing triggered it. It was just my brain coping and my nervous system coping. And uh, my teacher was like, Jennifer, you know, like, Hey, snap out of it. Yeah. And I was like, I, I, I was like, well, snap out of what, what I got defensive. I'm like, I'm a little mouthy. I know that's just, <laughs> sorry, mom and dad. Like, yeah, okay, great. <laughs> I can be a little snippy sometimes. And I, of course I was just like, Hey, like I'm not doing anything. And I fought back and she pulled me out into the hall and like wagging her finger. And it was like that Muppet show moment. Womp, 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 womp. Charlie sure. Brown. Charlie Brown. That's Charlie it. Brown. That's Charlie And it was just yeah. that womp, womp. And I'm yeah, just yeah. like, there's so much more to worry about and as a sixth grader. And I'm like, I can't do the life is so much bigger than this moment. Yeah. And I grew, I felt like I just, my awareness grew bigger than my body and my language tools and my coping school. And I, I spent the rest of my teenage years trying to merge that awareness and that pain and that confusion with words and healthy tool sets. And that was, that's, that, that's, a, that's a journey we're all on, I think, you know, but, yeah, but I felt like it was catapulted. I would just, I had the, the opportunity to be <laughs> catapulted into that. So that you, what you just said there makes me think of a question when you were in your you got to your teenage years. You said your dad passed away when you were 12. Did you have other brothers and sisters? Did you have a friend group? Like, who did you trust to talk about with it? Or did you just kind of lock it all away? That is a really good question and a really tough answer. I have a really great family. I love them very much. It, it, it's and it's nobody did anything wrong. I just I didn't I just didn't feel comfortable. There was a level of shame. Yeah. That really? like I and I can't explain it because you didn't do anything wrong. No, no, but no. I was different. I didn't have mom and dad in the house. Most of my family they had like mom and like my aunts and uncles, or like mom and dad and mm-hmm. their core family. And I I had a stepdad who I, I just I can't. I would be remiss by having this conversation without giving him credit for what he did for me in my life because I have a half brother who we had the same father in the same situation on that side who he didn't have a, a stepdad who came in and parented him like their own or a mom who was so incredibly strong and his life has turned out very different than mine. So I, I just want to wow. put yeah. like it's stark and I have a relationship with him. I mean, he's an incredible man, but he's had some really serious challenges. And again, I just want to like highlight that. So I had a stepsister. I still do. Amazing. But she was there part time. Again, I just I never wanted to like put my issues on her. Well, you were really young. I was really young. Oh, and yeah. also I had this level of guilt. Like I didn't want to f- grieve my f- the loss of my f- father around my stepdad because I never wanted to hurt his feelings. Oh, gosh. Um, so hiding grief. Hiding grief. That's got to be fucking um, awful. My grandmother. This is where she comes in. She knew I needed help. And she like drove that bus for me to like get into therapy. 
she was always there for me. She so was your she, sounding board. Yeah, she was for sure. She was my sounding board and also helped take action to get me into like professional help. So how, when you look back on it, mm-hmm. is she still with you? Your uh-huh. Yep, she sure is. Is she arguably the most important person that helped you kind of navigate all of it? She w- and, and when it comes to terms of like healing and that, yeah, like she, uh-huh. I would say too, like she had her own stuff going on. So I don't know that her and I specifically like worked through anything, but the fact that oh, she did. said, yeah, the fact that she said, Hey, she needs, there's, yeah, I have, a, she knew she needs a tool set that nobody has to be able to help her. Let me get her into a professional. So, so this is an example. What you're mm-hmm. talking about is a perfect example of something I've been talking about for many years. And that is, when I talk to people, sometimes they'll say, well, I can't afford counseling. I can't afford to go see a psychiatrist or a, a therapist or whatever. Well, you don't have to go to a doctor. You need to, you can just, you can go to somebody who you trust. In yeah. your case, it was your grandma. And I yeah. think that's a big, the fact that you had her. And she advocated for me. I'm sure. Absolutely, that yeah. It's that advocacy that we need sometimes. And I, I've been in therapy through different things and it is very expensive. It is wonderful. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge advocate. But it is it can be out of reach. Let's be real. Shit, if you're even lucky to get an appointment. Yeah, exactly. Within the next like two months. And never mind months. like finding one that works for you and your unique set of needs. Mm-hmm. Because just because they're a therapist doesn't mean they're the right fit for you. So you shuffle through 10 of them. That's extreme, but you know what I mean. And yeah, then you finally find possible. one. Yeah, yeah it, it could take that. I mean, so how many people they're gonna tap out? Yeah. People are gonna tap out. So yeah, I that's a great point. I think if that is out of touch or you don't have the because if we're struggling with PTSD, CPTSD, some of these major issues, we don't necessarily have the bandwidth to shuffle through a bunch of therapists. Go find an advocate. Well, what you're describing. So I have a good friend of mine three years ago. He loses both of his parents within a month of each other. Oh, my God. Both one from cancer and then his his mom from cancer and his dad. I think he had some sort of breathing issue, but it was kind of like that. The Johnny Cash, June Carter Cash thing. Like Mm. one couldn't live without the other kind of thing. And you know what? This guy is a super successful guy. He... Worked on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. He's a millionaire, right? Wow. But I know that me talking to him is going to be more productive for him than going to any sort of doctor, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least I know he does have a doctor that he talks to or a therapist, but yeah. at least your grandmother knew that right. she could play that role. And yep. having that person in that role, it's so important. I never want to minimize what it is that therapists or doctors do, but having somebody who has a vested interest in your well being is invaluable. Yeah. Like what somebody you're saying. That, somebody that actually yeah. cares about you as yeah. a person. If you never showed up to your other therapy appointment, would they call or check in? Sure. But you're a name on a roster. Having that personal advocacy and invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude. And and a lot of people don't realize how many people actually they can talk to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they don't say it, shit. And they yeah. Just, what, you're, what you're saying is, and I see this all the time, people think that there are rules when right. it comes to mental health yeah. and how to get better. There mm-hmm. aren't any rules. You can no. effectively, you can make up your own. And if you have, whether it's a friend or a family member or maybe somebody at work that you just kind of trust, there is nothing wrong with talking to them. Yeah. I think this goes to a theme that I was hoping we would have a chance to touch on today. And it's this stigma or feeling around if we're struggling with these things that we're broken. Most of the time, and this is what I've learned through lots of research and introspection and therapy, most of the time, if we're feeling suicidal ideation, if we're feeling, that's a little extreme, and I don't know if we want to touch on that. I felt it. You can talk about it. I'm Um, familiar with it. uh, Dissociative issues where we kind of space out, lack of being able to not care for ourselves hygienically, that kind of thing. A lot of times, honestly, drinking sometimes. 
that is a way for us to regulate our nervous systems. That is our body going, your anxiety, depression. That is your body going, alert, alert, something is off. And so when I was gifted that paradigm shift of going, hey, these symptoms are your body's way of checking you, you're not broken. I felt a huge weight come off my shoulders at say that, that time. Say that again. Can you say that again? So like all these symptoms that are associated with mental health struggles or disorders, whatever, I, I've chosen not to use the term disorders anymore. Again, yeah, sure. I'm no doctor. I don't know if that's wrong or right. But for my growth, I don't use that word anymore. So that. for my mental health symptoms that I I see or come about, I've been gifted this ability to just say, hey, this is my body and brain and nervous system's way of alerting me that I need either to draw on a tool set I've been given for coping or gain another one. And there have been times in the past where I was like, I don't have the capacity. I'm going to numb out. And I would like consciously choose to just drink to like mm -hmm. freeze my nervous system because whatever was going on and that probably was more during my divorce, which was also very difficult. I was married for 14 years to my childhood sweetheart. Like you don't rip that bandaid without losing sure, some skin in sure. it, you know? So that phase, I remember going, you know what? I am going to numb out. This is not healthy. I know I'm not going to enjoy the consequences of this, but right now it's all I can do to put my one foot in front of the other. And that was a slippery slope. I don't recommend in that capacity. I do still drink sometimes, you know, but <laughs> that was very unhealthy. But when I, the point I want to land that plane is that I was gifted, again, that paradigm shift of going, hey, you were in survival mode and you were doing what you needed to do to put one foot in front of the other. That took away shame. Because when we live in shame, a shame bubble, like I shouldn't, I, anytime, anytime you use the word shouldn't, there's shame involved. I shouldn't be drinking. I shouldn't be dissociating. I shouldn't be sleeping so late. Right. Then it's like, no, this is yes, there might be something wrong. Let's use this as a catalyst to get better, but don't beat yourself up. Yeah. yeah. I think you should have a podcast. Oh, shit. <laughs> She's good, huh? So, yeah, good work. Uh, so you, you said something there that got me thinking. You mentioned coping. Yeah. Right? And, and yeah. this is a term I think, you know, I've heard it for many, many years, right? Mm -hmm. I guess, and you just kind of shed light on it. There are healthy ways to cope yeah. and there are unhealthy ways to cope. Mm -hmm. So in your experiences, you've been divorced you had the trauma with your dad mm -hmm. dying when you were young. Like what kind of things did you realize? Maybe, maybe not even at the time you were doing them, but what have you done to cope or what kind of coping mechanisms have been good for you or yeah. have been helpful? I've got the gamut. Yeah. <laughs> As a young person, I threw myself into music. I, that's what, comes it, up on every podcast. Every yeah. fucking time it, there, it comes it, up. That's, it, it's that's, so therapeutic. Uh, music saved my life. Uh, when I was amazing. A, yep. I play I, something about the cello. Nerd alert, nerd alert. Oh, you actually play an instrument? <laughs> I play an instrument, okay, yeah. Okay. Oh, and also cool. I'm a huge consumer of live music and recorded, but actually uh, playing my instrument and really throwing myself into that performance like art. I did all the select orchestras and practiced a lot and all oh, the- shit, I didn't know that yeah, about you. That's yeah. really cool. That, that makes a ton of sense because when you have an instrument like that, whether it's the cello or the guitar, and you can be by yourself, mm -hmm. right? I think that is just an incredible way, no matter what your instrument may be, an incredible way to kind of get by yourself and get some alone time. And that's when that's when I think that's true coping. I would love to know the science behind it. I think it had not to get like woo woo, but it has to do something with the vibration, like quite literally, sure. because you're, it changes your like yeah. something in your brain and that playing my instrument was so therapeutic in the best way. And I truly think 
having the support and awareness to like push myself towards that. Again, my family was super supportive. Like, it's not that you, have you seen one? They're like this big. Like, you don't just lug that around right. by yourself as a 13 year old. Oh, yeah. No, I was thinking of the viola. <laughs> no, it's fucking, this yeah, is that's the cello. Like, like but to, oh, that's I'm the, not even yeah, on a yeah, podcast, but like, it's, yeah. I mean, it's big. It's, yeah. it's about up to my chest. So, mom and dad and family had to cart me around. I, I would go to like, during the summer, summer camps. Yes, I went to band well, camps. So it was an outlet. Yeah. It was an outlet, yeah. Sure. And it was hell and by all you know, I think anything could be unhealthy if you do it too much. Work. Um yeah, we can talk about that later. But yeah. yeah, that was that was my saving grace as a teen through those really hard times. Hands down. Saved my life. Wow. Music. So and you, that art. You really play that thing. Really. Shit. I was re- it was like my whole personality back then. That's so cool. That and, and like emo depression, but <laughs> do you still, uh, use it at all? Yeah. Fun story. I kinda backed away from it while my kid kiddles kids were little and I was working a lot. Just life happens. My daughter has I, I told them, you have to play a stringed instrument for one year. If you hate it fine, but you have to do it for one year. So this is her year. And she chose the double bass, which is the next largest uh-huh. instrument. That thing's like the size of a fucking giraffe. It's, it's uh, Yes. Right? Compared to her, it's adorable. I'll, when we're done here, I'll <laughs> yeah. show you guys a picture. Oh, she loves it. And I'm so happy. She, now she's glad that you made yeah, her do it. She was very reluctant, but she's enjoying it a lot. She's going through her own, you know, mom and dad getting divorced at 11 years old isn't easy for her either, sure. you know? So she's been throwing herself into that. And we have done a few duets together. Oh, that's yeah, cool, Yeah, so it's very, like, early. I feel like I'm relearning with her. Do you have her. any of those recordings you could show us I'll before show you. we leave? Yeah. You know, it's really incredible. We've done about a dozen or so podcasts so far. And music therapy has come up in... 10 of the 12. Right. Might be all of them. So powerful. So powerful. Whether, whether you have zero musical talent Mm -hmm. to play anything like myself, or (laughs) if you play an instrument like you, because cool thing about music is you can do it by yourself. Yes. You want to be in your car by yourself. You can play music. And in your case, you know, you might be able to get that instrument in a, in a a room or a garage or whatever. And that for whatever reason, I don't know what the science is either. Yeah. But it seems to have a great effect on the brain to pull you out of those dark places. We all have certain songs that define eras for us, right? Good, bad, happy. I mean, there's songs now I listen to. It just takes me right back. I mean, just this weekend, I was opening up to somebody I was by all intents, like really close to. And we just realized we had this like shared experience over a band that we hadn't talked about before. And I've been listening to it ever since. I kind of let it go by the wayside. And (laughs) just it's amazing what music does for our coping so that's a healthy that that was a healthy it's almost one. like you know how scents like I, i'm a big fan of fucking smells and shit like that. Okay. candles and yes. wax smells and shit those will bring you right back to it. oh my god that's so funny what i okay side note i won't go down too many rep i'll never forget one time i was having a bad day and you like walked into my office and you're like i had just got this new perfume because i'd gone on a trip and i bought it at an airport and you're like jen that smells really nice and it, it was so and i was just like oh Thank you. That made me feel really. I, That's funny. You remember that? I totally. I uh, forgot until right this minute. It just came minute. right back. It just came right back. Then I was like, "You made my day." I'm big about smells <laughs> and shit, dude. Like, <laughs> he's got a very powerful sense of smell. Yes, That's I love it. No yeah. I totally forgot about that moment, but I was like, "You pray to you made my day." Hey, there you so go. Thank well, you. and, and you welcome. <laughs> smell is a sense. Hearing is a sense. Yeah. Right. So hearing the music is helpful. Smelling something is helpful. Touch, taste. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna yeah. forget the other one, but yeah, I mean. We've said it before in this podcast. One of the yes, <laughs> it's an important you. one, very important one. <laughs> one of the things that I learned from my doctor years ago when I was battling my bipolar disorder was that if you can get more in touch with your five senses, mm-hmm. your depression will lift sooner. It's easier to fend off depression. Yeah, 
and makes perfect sense to me that the cello was your go-to. It was my your go-to. cello and your grandma. But yeah, cello, grandma. And then as I got into my teen years, I started working in restaurants and booze replaced my mm-hmm. instrument. And that's just the world I lived in. And so I go back and forth with that struggle. So co- I bet it's a, it is a coping mechanism. So my job, I threw myself into that. I it, I just made my it, my whole world. Anything you can become an addict of anything. Mm-hmm. Work, which again we can talk about that soon too, because that's where burnout comes in. They all every choice has a consequence. So it's like okay, what consequence? They're all coping mechanisms. But now as an aware adult, mature person who's like in charge of other people's lives, right. what coping mechanism am I going to choose now? And if I say I don't have the right one for this, I need to tap out and get help. I, and I had to do that very recently, yeah, like sure. not that long ago. Really? So yeah, but yeah, um, work, <laughs> music, booze, working out. I ran my first mile. That's another one that comes up every time too. Yeah, yeah. I ran it's my quite f- effective. It, it is. Yeah. I ran my first mile in like 2018, 2019 after a knee surgery. Oh yeah, I think I saw you. You did. You've been doing that lately. I did. Yeah, I've like been a couple of these. Now, a couple, right? yeah. Marathons. And shit, well, like or? I did a half marathon and a bunch of five Ks. Now I'm kind of more just doing it on my own. Mm. But I, I wanted to have that achievement. Yeah, that's you know. Cool. And so I, I got into that. That's been an absolute game changer. So, no yeah. shit, huh? Mm-hmm. You, I mean, it sounds like you, you know, do have a podcast and you do <laughs> right. cover, cover these things. Yeah, quite often. I mean, do you think? You become more in touch with it because of what happened when you were 12 years old because you were so young? Yeah, I think when you're exposed to things that are adversity, you can take one of two paths. You can succumb or you can grow. Mm-hmm. Sure. And how do I say this without? We all can We can all do both, by the way. We can all succumb at times and grow at times. This is not a binary thing where you make a choice. This is not black and white, yes and no, win, lose. We, we make progress and steps back. So I don't, I don't ever want to come off as like, you have to pick a path. No, mm. sometimes we fuck up. Sometimes yeah. we take the path of least resistance and succumb for a month, two, five years, 10 years. It's never too late to make that other choice. We have covered so much here. Let's take a quick break and come right back. We've been here for over 70 years, giving back to community charities, local organizations, and youth athletics. And now we're the official automotive sponsor of St. Louis City SC. We've been here, providing the best car buying experience to our customers. Lou Fuse, we are here with the respect you deserve for 70 years and counting. Smart Mental Health Podcast is powered by Birdies for Bipolar. Birdies for Bipolar aids veterans and civilians living with mental illness by using golf as recreational therapy. For more information, check out birdiesforbipolar.org. That's birdies, the number four, bipolar.org. Welcome back to Street Smart. Let's dig back in. Well, I got a question for you. Yeah. Since, Sorry, because, I knew it was coming. Dude, do your <laughs> thing, man. This is all good. It's not the first personal health podcast. We're going to have some cryers. Since you had, that, <laughs> since you had that experience when you were 12, and let's say that you were maybe at, at your kid's school or maybe you were at a kid's sporting event or a music event, whatever, mm-hmm. and you heard about someone who lost a parent, 
a kid that was that age, 10, 12, 14 mm. years old or whatever. Yeah. What would your advice be to the parent who's still alive? Yeah. In great, that great question. And I would also kind of group into that, whether it's loss, loss or like divorce. Cause that also has its like as a kid of parents who are Absolutely divorced, it does. I would say this one thing, just stay in curiosity, like stay open. Don't force them. They might not have the, and don't get, don't take it personally if they don't have the words to communicate their feelings. That's just developmentally appropriate. They might act out in ways that you don't recognize, and that may seem extreme, but more likely, unless they're obviously, let's use our better judgment. And like if people are getting hurt or they may hurt themselves, like obviously that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm just talking about maybe outburst or unreasonable by all standards, unreasonable behaviors like staying curiosity. Try not to take it personally. I think that that's one thing I wish I could have shared with some people. Like this isn't about you or me or that things aren't working. It's not about you. It's I just don't know what I'm doing right now. And I'm human and I'm a deep feeler. And also, yeah, like if and or if their reaction seems very stoic or they seem detached, that's kind of a warning sign too. But don't push it. Just give them the space. I I feel like the term hold space is like used too much because it's a little it's become a little cliche now. But it is valuable. Just, hey, I'm here for you. Just be that constant. And that might be all you can do. I love it. So let's shift a little bit to, you mentioned your divorce. Yeah. You know, I think it's very common these days, I would say, that a lot of people are getting divorced, right? But what can you do and what would you say to people that are either going through divorces or trying to figure out what to do about their divorce or whether or not to have one? What what is the best route or what's the best way to handle kids in that situation? Yeah, well, come ask me that in about 15 years. <laughs> I don't know. I, I struggle every day with guilt around that I like my kids are gonna be hurt. And you know what? I've recently been able to tell myself, okay, they are gonna be hurt. This does hurt. But it's not my job to protect my children from pain and adversity. It's my job to show them how to handle it. Fucking right. That's a great yeah. yeah. And I try to stay in that zone as a mama bear. It's hard to stay in that space because it's a little removed. Takeaway, one of my therapists gave me a book called the Tao Te Ching. Tao Te Ching. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that. I think it's what? T-A-O-T-E-C-H-I-N-G for parents. It's like a little bit Eastern religious type sure mentality. Sounds, Chinese, sounds Chinese as hell. Yeah. Doesn't it? <laughs> Tao Te Ching. Tao Te Ching. I bet, yes. I bet it's really good. It's really, it's, it's very easy. fantastic. It's dude. very easy to read. It's very digestible. It's like little quip. It's like almost like scripture, but not. It's, I'm not going to say any more on that because I might, I don't want to offend anyone's religion, but, but that book, my therapist gave me, it helped me sort of separate my role as this protector because that's all like as parents, that's our instinct, right? Protect, save their innocence. And, you know, I wanted that for them after what I had been through. I wanted them to have a soft place. I can't do that. The world is not a soft place. It's just not very true. So when I gave myself and I was gifted that tool set of like, Hey, it's not my job to protect them. I can be their soft place, but the world can't. It's like, Hey, as long as I'm here, I'm not going to let anything happen to you. And also you are capable of coping with anything that comes your way. That's a much more liberating and palatable way to support a child, I think, than trying to just shield them from pain or. I think you're absolutely right. Spot on. Yeah. Because who does that work for? That's not real. We can't protect our kids from everything. No, because they're going to go through shit. Now, Now, with that said, you know, it is a delicate dance to like figure out what we share with them and what we don't. I never want to give them adult problems before they're ready, but I got to be, you know, we got to be real with them, you know, mom and dad. 
that we're split for the last time. Dad's going to find a new place to live. How do you feel about that? We're going to be here for you the whole time. Just be quiet. Let them process. They have to process. There's a couple organizations out there who can help hold the hand of parents as they go through this. But again, sometimes that can be out of reach. But yeah, I think that would be the one thing is like let them in in like slow increments. Just a little, temper it. Temper it. Don't. What is that thing about the frog? Like if you boil eat it. The, like, eat the frog. No, that's the elephant. Is that the book? I don't know. Eat the frog. Yeah, eat it's the called fro- eat that frog or some shit. I, this about one just, I'm thinking about is boiling it. Like if you if you turn the heat it's up, probably tastes better. <laughs> the oh, I'm so hungry. But um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But truly, like if you temper their exposure, if you have that ability. Now, I want to acknowledge that not every break, not every trauma has the ability to temper. I, I will say this though, even like with some things that had happened in my past, I I maybe wish they'd been like slowly exposed. I I just. If you can do that, I think that's really powerful to just like let them in little by little. And then they'll they'll tap out when they're ready. Yeah. And then you bring them a little more. Okay. Does that that make sense? Does that kind of answer? You're creating all these questions for me. (laughs) Okay. So when you're young, you lose your dad. You end up kind of leaning on your grandma as a sounding board. You use the cello as another way to kind of cope and escape. You kind of gave us some insight on the best way to handle children going through a divorce. What about the mom that's going through the divorce? What, 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 what kind of advice Ooh. would you give to the mom and what can she do? What things can she do to stay positive or to get through it? Yeah. I was in a workshop one time where the speaker had us write out in as simple but specific terms as possible our future vision of ourselves and different categories like personal, professional, fitness. Was this bold? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a money magnet. No. <laughs> oh, we're gonna get sued. Nobody no. knows what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> Some people will know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so no, it was it wasn't not I'm that. Sorry, I'm yeah. sorry to cut you off. No, this. that's okay. Totally it's funny. It's, it's a, a deep cut for certain people. We'll get yeah. that. But they had to sort of paint this concise but specific vision for our future. When I wasn't strong enough to keep going in a healthy way, remember, like we can succumb or we can grow. And I'm like, I'm. I'm not strong enough for this. I'm going to tap out. I'm going to be not that version of myself. I'm not strong enough. Having painted that picture for myself during a healthy time, oh, it's just I cling to it because motivation wanes, right? Is that the right use of that word? Like it, motivation goes away sometimes. We get tired. But when you've painted that picture and either done it now, this is like a just kind of like a vision board. And now that sure. I'm saying it out loud, but maybe a little less hokey, like literally just take out your phone, your your iPhone or your Android if you're in you know, old times. And you can like write a note to yourself about what you want your future to look like, but feel it, like actually feel it. Don't do this half-assed. Sit down with your tea or wine or go for a walk, like really put yourself into what it, visualize how it feels to be that version of yourself. And then when you start to get tired or tap out or want to go back, cling to that. It will carry you through. And then other than that, for myself, it's easy to put ourselves on the back burner. It really is. And and I did that. Yeah. Because you're yeah. focused on taking care of the kids during the divorce? or I would call it that or sur- honestly survival mode. Am I fed? Are my kids fed? Are my bills paid? Sometimes that's all I can do. And that has to be okay because we know it's temporary. Like everything is temporary. That helps. But yeah, it can be hard knowing what I, I, I went too long without asking for help recently, even with my knowledge of what mental health struggles can be like, even with a background of having received therapy, even 
all of that, I still went too long without asking for help. So and when you did ask for help, what did you ask for? What did you, you just, you went to that, that seminar? It or? got really dark. Again, that vision helps pull me through. But in that moment, what I'm talking about now, I had just let myself wear down with too many, too much time had gone by between healthy coping mechanism usage and not healthy. And I was pouring into everything else except myself. And I lost touch. I feel yeah, that. I, I lost touch with yeah. everything. That's, I'm in that right now. Yeah. So what I would say, uh, friend, like friend to friend, whoever is sure. listening, for me, that experience was like, it was almost like a tsunami where like the bottom fell out. Like the, it was shaking under the surface. Like we know mm-hmm. we're in touch with our mental health and our bodies. We can feel the shaking. The bottom fell out and then the tsunami came and it was too much for me to handle. Mm-hmm. And we don't, but don't fault yourself for that. But just also, if you feel the shaking, know that you can ask for help, whether it be, you know, nowadays you can get like depression meds or anxiety meds online. I had a really good experience with that. I, you know, I tapped out and I said, okay, this is more than I can handle on my own. I did like a web MD type thing. I just typed in online depression medication. And I had an appointment within 24 hours with the doctor. It was really over the phone, super thorough. It was very personal. It didn't feel hokey or anything like that. And we went through like five different prescription medications to figure out which one would be best based on my history and what I had done in the past. It was good. And taking that step was good. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough. The tidal wave, I feel like, still came. I needed to take a few days in a safe place, (laughs) if you will to sort of reset, but I'm not mad at myself for letting that happen. I wish I wouldn't have let so much time go between healthy check-ins, but. Yeah. But you were able to get to, you get an online doctor. So whether you did like a zoom call or a phone uh, call? It was just a phone call. Yeah. In, in 24 hours? So, yep. Well, that's refreshing to hear that. Yeah. I'd never because seen anything that's like that. That's not the case. Now I know that, you know, the swimmer, Michael Phelps, mm-hmm. he's got some sort of counseling like zoom call counseling that he's involved with some company that does it. Okay. That's the only one I've seen. Like there's a better help type thing. Is that the name of it? I, that's or? one that there's one called better help where it's online therapy. I'm sure. There's a few of them, but yeah. he was, just cause who he is, is the one I've noticed, mm-hmm. but I just didn't know how long to hear you say it only took 24 hours. That's, like, that's great. Like to know that right. if you want to go that route and try to talk to a doctor and find a uh, antidepressant. Yeah. Did you use the drug? I or? did. I did for about four months. It was okay. very, it was very helpful. Any side uh, effects? Yeah. Don't wean yourself off depression meds. Yeah. yeah uh, don't do that. Don't <laughs> wean yourself off? Yeah. Like if you're ready to get off them, you need to can reconsult with your doctor. I made that. I just, I, I don't know. I I've just been didn't on, read the label. I've been on Paxil <laughs> since 2007. Yeah. The like, same fucking dose. There you go. Because I, I, I don't, I'm scared to j- adjust it in any yeah, way. And there's no need to. And if <laughs> like, you do, like just don't do it on your own. Yeah. I don't, so what did you do? What happened? I just stopped taking it. Oh, fuck you. The brain oh, just cold. Just cold. Like, okay. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. Oh, I just don't know what wild. I was thinking. It had only been a few months, so I was thinking it wouldn't be that big a deal. I what had happened? been. Uh, the tsunami came. What does that mean? I had a mental break. <laughs> truly, yes. I just broke down. Depression what, or uh, yeah, anxiety depression, anxiety. The weight of the pressure of everything that I had been sort of staving off, and it just all came crashing down at once. And it was. I just didn't want to handle it anymore. I felt like the world would be better without. Okay. Me. So, so if Jesus. you had to do it over again, yeah. that particular sequence where sure. you got you know you were, you took the drugs for four months and then you went off cold turkey how would if you had to do it over again how would you do it 
Uh, I would have reached out and just been like, hey, this helped for a minute, but they're still rumbling. Yeah. So maybe something else or, or hey, maybe. You would have ha- talked to the doctor yeah, instead of I, just I saying, sh- throw these yeah. fuckers Exactly. In the trash. I, was, I was like, okay, well, because what it did is it gave me a crutch. Like, that sounds negative. It gave me a sense of stability where I was like, oh, I'm back to myself. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I can do, I can get back into my tool set yeah. that I had established, but it was a little bit that. <laughs> The, the series of events didn't really Well, work. it's funny because we never really learn anything unless something goes wrong. It, there you like go. Like if things go right, it's yeah. like, oh, well, this Nailed is how it. it's supposed to be and it'll <laughs> yeah. be fine. But yeah. then when things go haywire, that's when it's like, oh, well, I can learn. That's why I was curious to see if you could do it over again. That's it. I would have just reached out and said, I, again, it wasn't even like I was being, I was just like, I'm fine now. Like and you would have just months. gone like a, a smaller dose, then even smaller yeah, dose. Yeah, after and doing some reading it. and like talking to the doctor. Yeah, it, yeah they just do like they slowly back you out of it. Yeah. It's funny because I've dealt with these kind of situations with bipolar drugs. Cause I have okay, bipolar. Yeah. Right? So it's always funny to me. You've always heard the term, like in a baseball game, if a pitcher has a no hitter, you don't talk to him, right? You leave him alone. Oh yeah. You just don't just let him do his thing. Right. Yep. Well, with bipolar, the pills in the bipolar world, all of a sudden somebody's having trouble. They get on medication, they get better and they're doing better. They continue to do better. Mm-hmm. And then they stop taking it cold Turkey. And they're like, well, well what happened? Well, the no hitter got broken up because he, <sighs> yeah. he stopped doing what he was doing or she, you know, he or she was doing what they were doing that, that brought the success. It's almost like, well, I started taking the pills and they were helpful. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to see what would happen. I, I should be fine now, yeah. but, but you didn't realize, well, the reason that things are going well is because you've been taking the, yeah. the pills. <laughs> Note right? to self. And that's, that's yeah. what happened with you, right? right? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Cause I think that been, happens all the time. It does. And I'd have been a long time since I'd been on anything like that. So I think that added again, like a false sense of safety, if totally. you will. Yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. So, but wow. you know, I ended up safely, kind of reincorporating getting back off. And again, I don't, I want to reiterate, like, that's not a goal. Like getting off meds is not a goal. I just, in my, in my particular scenario, it did its job. Well, eventually I got safely got back off of it, but yeah. Yeah. It goes back to what we were saying earlier. There's no rules. Yeah. If someone wants to do meditation as their medication. Yeah. Then God bless them. Mm -hmm. If somebody needs to take, what pill were you taking? What drug was it? That was, like a Wellbutrin. I okay, think. Wellbutrin. Yeah. I've taken that before, and you were taking yeah. Paxil. Yeah, whatever. Lexapro. Whatever you, yeah, whatever yeah. you find that works for you, keep doing it. Yeah. People like find the right drug, and then they go away from it, or they they want to be the person that tells everybody, "Well, I'm not on drugs anymore. Yeah. I'm not taking a prescription." Well, maybe you need to. Yeah. There's yeah. no. There's no badge. Like at the end of the road. Right. Like we're here, all just doing our best. Dude, we're doing our best handling heavy shit. Whether it's my story or yours, we all, and that's going back to the PTSD thing and adversity. It's it's hard because like what you're, maybe it was a car accident and like maybe nobody died, but like that was traumatic and that's the heaviest thing you've had to deal with. No. So to your point yeah. about the car accident, mm-hmm. there's this guy in New York, I can't remember his name, but he used to work for the Florida Panthers. He was like a really big deal at the Florida Panthers, but he decided to get into the mental health world because he saw his brother fall out of a car his brother didn't die Mm -hmm. but he got injured and he recovered from it fine but the ptsd from watching his brother go through that it like came back into his life like five years later Mm -hmm. and it caused all these physical issues with him and he was like bedridden and couldn't do anything and all these doctors were coming in asking him like they're trying to figure out what was wrong with him 
And they figured out that what it was, was him. He was in the car behind his brother's car. He like, his brother like fell out of like a pickup truck or something like that. And all of that caused his PTSD. Like, like sympathy pains almost when you watch it. See, and you know, it'd be easy to sit here and be like, you didn't die. Like, yeah, right. man. Like get it together. But it's like, you know what? When you watch somebody you love deeply get hurt yeah like who who are any of us to right. evokes emotions that mm-hmm. we don't understand maybe no question and, and, and also too like what happened with that particular guy was it actually came back the ptsd came back to get him like five years later like he was fine for five years like totally fine working for an nhl team like doing very well yeah and then all of a sudden he can't leave his house for three months yeah Jeez, the brain so, is fucked it's, it's amazing it's been a while yeah i will say that kind of was with my issue with my divorce too because i I had been driving that ship from like either reconciliation or breaking up for about five to six years. And I, I felt like I had to be the strong one in the situation. Um, I, it was a very codependent situation with substance abuse. So I felt like I had to be the one to like stay the course and be the strong one. And I think that for my most recent struggle with the tsunami I was talking about, I think that had a lot to do with it because I had to stuff down the pain of the loss of grief of again, that grief of what could have been, you know, when you, when you imagine building a life with somebody and then that, what if is over that shit don't go, just go away. Like you just don't. And I'm sorry, but if you can flip a switch, like, okay, maybe there's another issue going on, but I think I did flip a switch for a long time and got detached. And then it all kind of came crashing down because yeah, time. And you just never know it. A a beautiful day outside could trigger it. It just happens. Yeah. No, uh, you never really know. And, no. But but what you're saying makes sense. I mean, when you you go through these things, you don't know if they're going to happen. They're going to re- your body or mind are going to react to them immediately, or if it's going to take some time. But it's good to to be aware that you can have a reaction way down in the future. Yeah, it's not just it might not, like you were 12 years old when you lost your dad. Like, yeah. yeah, you know, obviously you're going to be sad. That goes without saying. But I would imagine that you probably had more to deal with as you got older with that than you did right when you were 12 years yeah, old. Yeah, I think it, it all came to a head probably in my early 20s because it goes through anger, denial, what if, resentment, you Why know, me? fuck the world, angsty mm-hmm. to like acceptance. I mean, the, that grief process is real. And it's not linear, Brian. I know you know that. Like, it's mm-hmm. not linear. Like, you could get to the acceptance phase and then revert right back, the back to the anger. To day one. Yeah. 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 It so comes give, in waves. Mm-hmm. So give yourself time for that, too. Yeah, for sure. You know, I heard this analogy one time about grief. Maybe you guys have heard it, too, where the grief, like, if grief is a ball, it it stays the same size. And when that incident happens and the grief occurs, your life kind of just is just bigger than that ball. Mm -hmm. So it consumes your whole life. There's very little outside of that grief that exists. And then time grows your life experience, which is the box that the ball is in. But the ball still stays the same. But your, your worldview and your experience and your time on the earth gets bigger. So you have more perspective but that ball is still in there, like bouncing around, yeah, for and it sure. can hit you yeah. at any point. Dude, so we have I've to seen that. I think. Have you? Yeah. yeah. It, it's a very graceful way. Like if we're struggling with that, to be like, nope, this is just a moment of grief. For sure. I'm yeah, okay. yeah. 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 That's that. This too shall pass. Shit. There you go. Yeah. I think that's how you. See You're it. pretty natural at this stuff. Yeah. We need to have her on again. I feel that like we should have a, have <laughs> you on again. But I also feel like when you when you're dealing with your kids and their their friends and their friends' parents you'd be somebody that can shed a lot of light on different things. Yeah. I try to gift to people as long as it's appropriate and they, they're open the gifts I've been given in terms of like tool sets or support or grace or just space. 
when I see my daughter lose her goddamn mind because she's in the middle of puberty. Sorry, G, I don't want to embarrass her. Like, and the confusion around her parent, you know, just giving her the space to step back. Or when I see parents beating themselves up for a failed relationship, again, just trying to pay forward totally the do. softness that I've been given in these times. Well, if anybody wants to uh, buy a piece of property through you or how can they get in touch with you? Oh man, that's, I don't want to step on my buddy Brandon's toes over here. <laughs> like, oh, she's like, right. I, uh, I do most full disclosure. I do most of my work in St. Louis city and parts oh, of Oh, he's way out here. I know. There's he no, doesn't even like, no he's like, I am. Plug yourself, dude. Brandon's plug, like, I hate the city. And I'm like, I need a passport to go to Lake yeah, St. Louis. No, you sent me your shit out here. I'll <laughs> well, send you my shit out there. I could definitely see a mom who's, Got a couple of kids and is a divorcee. Yeah. Might want to talk sure. to you just to talk to you, but also might want to get a house yeah. because yeah. they like what they heard today. Yeah, Brandon and I are, I think we're both, we both share this so deeply. The best business deals are people you get along with. 100%. Like it is business. At the end of the day, we both highly respect the industry that we're in. We take it very seriously. You might not always be able to tell because we like to have a lot of fun, but we care so deeply about our people. And the best deals and our happiest clients are the ones that we relate to on a personal level. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's why I'm trying to get you to plug yourself. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah. Jen Warren. Hawthorne Homes is my brand. So you could look me up on social media, either by my name or my brand. So, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Sure. Yeah, and I, I can vouch for it too. Yeah. I'm sure you can. See, I see. I like to see when people are well educated in the mental health world, but also have other, you know, you're a mom, you're in business. I mean, that to me, that's a well rounded person. Absolutely. That's Thanks. kind of well, it's true. I think that sometimes people realize or they don't they don't realize that, hey, we might be a real estate broker, or you might work in some sort of business, but also we we are keeping aware of our own mental well-being and our kids and, and the people in our community. I mean, I think that's, that's what it's all about. It's all connected. Synergy is one of my favorite words because everything is connected. Yep. And how we show up there is how we show up here. You can't, if anyone thinks they can like cut themselves off in one area and not have it affect another, whether it be, you know, if you have a shit home life and you think you can just go pour yourself into work and make it go away, newsflash, it's going to catch up with 100%, you. 100%, dude. It's going to catch up. One or the other way. I think balance is a fallacy, but we got to take care of ourselves first. Fallacy. Yeah. You got good words, man. Your I read a lot. I'm a huge so nerd. Point, dude. I'm a huge nerd. I read a ton. <laughs> That's all right. You have a glossary in your car. Yeah. 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 Thesaurus. <laughs> no, but truly, like, I read someone and I'll, like, hey, Siri, define blah, blah, blah. I'm like, like, I'm going like, to use that word from now on. <laughs> well, Flex on everybody. Oh, look. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. that. Always listening. That yeah, couldn't have been always more perfect to us, dude. Well, thank you so much for coming in. so much. That's Jen. Check her out with the information she left for Brandon. I'm Michael Wellington and come back and see us next time on Street Smart. Thank you guys. Thank you. Love you. Bye. Bye.